Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host of The Last Symptom. And speaking of happy Thursdays, well, today really is a happy Thursday, ain't it? Because uh, people around the world are celebrating one thing or another today. It's the 24th of December. And even I am uh, in the mood to celebrate because I'm on vacation. I'm, I'm here at the beach, the same beach that I was visiting last year this time, if you were listening to me on the show. So I'm right here by the ocean, and it's just beautiful. Now, it is a little windy today. It's a little gray. Uh, it's been raining and that sort of thing. But I'm not complaining because it's, it's all beautiful to me. And I'm just, I'm very happy to be here. And I'm happy to be here with you in podcast land. So thank you for joining me. Uh, this morning, I got up, went down to get something out of the, my vehicle, and I realized that last night when I got here, I left my lights on. That's right, I left my lights on all night long, and so my battery was plumb dead. So I had to call roadside assistance. I had to get somebody to come and charge up my battery, you know, give me a, a jump, as we call it. When he got here and he was doing his work, I said to him, Buddy, you're not working all day today, are you? He says, Yeah, I sure am. He says, I never take a day off. I said, Oh, come on now. That ain't right. And then uh, he finished his work. And I come back up to the condominium and started recording this show. <laughs> so I'm a little bit of a hypocrite. Uh, but, uh, you know, I... This is not stressful work. Uh, it's, this is work I enjoy, so I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I hope you folks are enjoying uh, your day, and I hope you're enjoying your week. We're getting ready to go into 2021, and of course everybody's excited about that because it means leaving 2020 behind. But, you know, we'll see if it's... <laughs> We'll see if 2021 turns out to be better than 2020 or not. Uh, we might uh, get there and start missing 2020. You never know. Anyway, today is a continuation of the conversation we had last week with folks who are enrolled or who have completed the last symptom, Fundamentals Course, which is an intensive course for those who are wanting to recover from emotional disorders, and it is informatively superior to anything out there like DBT. So uh, today you're going to get to hear directly from additional participants of that interview. I hope you'll enjoy that. While we're talking about the last symptom fundamentals course, let me tell you that it's available over at 
thelastsymptom.com. That's my website full of free resources. And, uh, you know, I hope you're taking advantage of those free resources. What you'd want to do is take advantage of the free resources, and then you'll know if the paid resources I offer are something that you might be interested in. Those are one-on-one phone conversations with me, and just recently I started offering one-on-one Zoom meetings with me, video meetings. And so those are options that you have if you like my work and you're benefiting from it. But today, today's focus is on this new two-week intensive course. It's called the Last Symptom Fundamentals course. Again, it's available at thelastsymptom.com. And without further ado, let's get into today's show and hear from those who have already had that experience. What do you say? Let's see. Narupa, would you mind saying hi yeah, to us? And... I'm a bit nervous today. Um, so we, we are. <laughs> I've I've always felt like I've there was something wrong with me from my childhood. So the point where I want uh, wanted to go to a therapist was uh, when I was in the UK uh, for my masters. And uh, after returning to India, I went to a therapist and got diagnosed with uh, BPD. From then on, um, it's been a big roller coaster ride for me. I found you through your articles. From there. It, it was like um, validation. Like I was feeling the right things and it was like someone was talking about my mind. And yeah, it's um, the, the course as well is very helpful. And um, I had a lot of epiphanies even after having the course. Like uh, it's almost been a week now. Uh, I've completed the course. Um, I feel like did you um, say you have completed the course? Yes. Wow. Yeah. You you went right through it, didn't you? Pretty fast. Yeah. Um, actually, right now I'm unemployed, so I have time. Narupa, you have been with me for a while, haven't you? Yeah. When did you, when did you about two years? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I've had my eye on you. I'll tell you why. Because I think you feel like nobody notices you. Yes. And so uh, there's proof that people do notice you. <laughs> I noticed you. Thank and I've you. been following you along. And uh, I, I really love my Indian followers a lot because I know that a lot of people are dealing with these things and, and they don't really have access to the, the same types of information. Uh, Amy says that she noticed Narupa right away. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you've been a, a really nice participant in the group. You've given some really nice insights. You've been sharing those insights. Other people have benefited from those. That's been really nice. That's really nice to hear. <laughs> yes, you are a pillar of the last symptom group. <laughs> and you know, we have a lot of uh, Indian participants, but th- they kind of they kind of hide it in the shadows. They, they're kind of uh, bashful. <laughs> yeah, I've and noticed some of them. <laughs> Has the course helped you? I mean, have you gotten any insights out of the course that you haven't gotten out of, say, the Facebook group or listening to the podcast? And by the way, how do you even follow my terrible English? That's <laughs> that's an accomplishment in itself. Uh, I don't think your English is terrible. <laughs> no? Um, Must be a lot of rednecks running I, around I think um, I've 
I've watched a lot of Hollywood movies. Maybe that's why I can follow. A lot of westerns. So the um, insight is like um, the at. Uh, I've realized that it's the attitudes that are the main culprit here. Before, like when I was listening to the podcasts, I never realized it. I knew it, but I didn't. My emotions were not in the in line with those that um, line of thought. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was a big aha moment for me. emotionally at least that attitudes are the culprit here and not the traumas that we go through she just uh, did, she just did air quotes for those of you <laughs> yes <laughs> um that was the biggest thing for me and yeah uh, the first uh, after listening to the first uh, day i realized that i've been following the crowd so to speak uh, i have i haven't been looking inside me properly mm. i see and um, i posted this on the alumni group as well that i realized that i have to uh, i have to be very um, i don't know how to put this um, like um, what i have to do is follow my likings that um, your so your kind of your intuition yeah yeah so yeah uh, these were the like biggest epiphanies i had let's ask this question for you what sorts of barriers are you encountering and how are you kind of overcoming some of those barriers so b- most of the times i think i i'm doing something wrong and sometimes it's like i'm going through a lot of shame so i tell myself that um, this is okay okay to feel and okay to experience such emotions most of the times i just get through it but uh, sometimes it's very hard like sometimes i have experienced shame for like 3 days as well but uh, eventually i get through it do you ever feel like you're really alone in all this sometimes yes um my mother has been a lot of help to me with this mm-hmm. um she's not emotionally healthy but um, i don't know how to say this but it's she encourages me to be myself and follow my dreams so yeah that's part of it isn't kind it kind of supportive i guess you know one thing i was going to say uh, when i was talking to Brad there is mm-hmm. that one difficulty i had at the beginning was using terms with my parents like child abusers um i have those i have that problem even now accepting the idea that they committed real atrocities against me and and then accepting the fact that I still love them anyway. Mm-hmm. And you know, when we're starting off, maybe we think that that's all a big great big contradiction. You can't have it that way. You know, yeah, our mind yeah. kind of says we can't you can't have it that way. Yeah. Because if all that's true, you got to hate them. Yeah. Um or you got to say that's not true and love them. Yeah. And you know what? There's no contradiction there at all. that's the, that's the irony of it there's no contradiction i love my my father i love my mother i hate what they did mm-hmm. but i love them and you know when we talk about the subtleties of recovery a big mm-hmm. part of it is separating things seeing the subtleties mm-hmm. who my father is 
is not the same as what he did. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's kind of a huge thing because if that's true for him, it's true for me too. Mm -hmm. The terrible things I did to my ex-wife are not who I am. They're two Uh different things. I can hate what I did and love myself. And I can hate what my father did and love him. Okay. Right. There's no contradiction. We imagine there's a contradiction. There's no contradiction. Okay. So we, we can feel what we feel and we can love these people dear. I mean, deeply and be extremely disappointed in their decisions. Also, you know, for example, in my case, I I can't let my father in my life right now. He has not met the conditions for that. I still love him. I I love, I love him to death. I wish um, he and I, you know, I wish I could call him up this weekend and say, let's go fishing. (laughs) That's what I want because I love him. But I love being emotionally healthy even more. (laughs) So he has to meet some conditions before I'm able to do that. And that goes back to the law of individual inherent rights, responsibility, and authority. It's he gets to choose whether or not he's going to meet those conditions. But Mm -hmm. based on his decision, I have to make some decisions for myself. Mm -hmm. Anyway, thank you so much, Narupa. Thank you. It's, it's wonderful to have you here. You look nice tonight. I like that shirt. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You know, women who are kind of uh, dark, have a dark tone skin, black mm-hmm. or white, that's the way to go. That's just knocks it out. <laughs> All right. Let's see here. Eve, you've been waiting very patiently, and I'm I'm so happy for that. Hello. <laughs> you look cool tattoo, tonight, Brian. Too. What's that? Thank you. I said cool tattoo. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's, it stopped hurting really? about three minutes ago. <laughs> I'm coming to you guys from uh, the subtropics of Australia, and it's flooding here at the moment. We're experiencing summer rain. Are you, uh, are you on high ground? Uh, I'm on the coast, so yeah, I'm all right. We're, we're fine here, but there's a lot of there's a lot of areas that are rained out at the moment, and but it's okay because it could stop the bushfire season from coming back this summer. I can Let's see you've got some more insects joining you. <laughs> it's a natural, you know. This is just what you get when you get Brian Barnett. You get crickets and flies and adds to the charm. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So you're entering. Let's see. I'm entering winter so you must be entering spring we're entering summer summer okay yeah so we had 42 degrees celsius here the other day i don't know what that is in fahrenheit uh, i'll check alexa <laughs> what's 42 degrees celsius in fahrenheit 42 degrees celsius is 107.6 degrees fahrenheit 107 degrees holy yeah. mackerel <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're very close to the ocean here, so you can jump right into the cold water. It doesn't sound like it'd be very cold. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we're entering summer, and it's I'm so privileged to be here, and it's just such an amazing opportunity to hear from everybody and to meet you, and it is, uh, like Brad said, it's quite trippy to talk to you because if you you know, listen to somebody for so long, you sort of feel like you know them. (laughs) So, um, yeah, thanks for having me. uh, Well, you you know, I've been following you for a while too. 
Thank you. I haven't been hearing you for a while, but you know, I've been I've been keeping tabs on you. I'm a little shy when it comes to. I think it might be a hangover from uh, being a news journalist. Is I'm quite shy about writing things down. Um, so I think I've got to let go of that because I did have a a really big epiphany on the course a couple of days ago and I was like, I've got to write this down for the group, you know, and I'm sure Brian will appreciate it if I do. But I haven't written it yet because I just was waiting it to percolate, uh, for it to percolate for a bit longer. But just so that everybody knows, I found Brian by, well, I, I got diagnosed last year. I'm 42 and I had a real runaround with mental health professionals um, for a good couple of decades, actually. I'd always known that there was something going on. I, I definitely can relate to being steered, you know, misdirected. And um, I'm still getting over my, I know that I do need to accept it, but one of the things I still need to work on accepting is the lost time and the different way my life might have gone if I'd known earlier what I was dealing with. And um, it probably explains why I, by the time I got to you, Brian, I was pretty impatient, <laughs> like to move through. I mean, I've, I've got to work on the impatience as well to, to pull out the thorn sort of thing, you know. Um, sure. I didn't know, I'd never heard of borderline personality disorder. I didn't know. All I knew that it, I was experiencing this collection of things that, um, especially this feeling of utter dread about the future and dread about getting in, involved closely with anybody and realizing that I just was um, fairly attached to coming across quite high functioning and I was playing a bunch of characters to put my face forward in the world mm -hmm. and whenever anybody got close to me that all came under threat so relationships were really hard for me and I guess all the real BPD symptoms would manifest the most in relationships. And by the time I got diagnosed, I think I was a real mess. Like I tried things over the years, like, you know, have you heard of Louise Hay and all that heal your life, you know, manifesting things. And I, I was watching all my friends, close friends around me who are emotionally healthy, having all these things in life come really easily to them. Like, spouses and children and you know a sense of place in the world and a sense of identity and and just wondering what I was doing wrong and I I, I the bitterness that you describe on the course that you start to mm -hmm. feel where you feel like I've am I missing something here what's wrong with me like why are these things so hard for me and oh, yeah. like there's definitely something wrong with me uh, and as in in a shame sense, you know, I'm a piece of shit. Like I, like I can't hold down relationships. Um, you know, I'm, I'm evasive with my friends, you know, I've got, I'm so lucky to have incredibly close friends, but I think that I uh, become absent and I'm rambling a little bit, but one of the things that you ramble all you want, <laughs> I'm uh, serious. you ramble that... all you want. One of the things that really stood out for me in the course that I'd never considered before, and it made so much sense to me, and I, I don't know if other people can relate, but 
when you speak about how we unconsciously believe that our feelings are irrelevant and shameful and humiliating, mm-hmm. um, if we believe that about ourselves, we're likely to project that onto other people and their feelings. Mm-hmm. And it had never occurred to me that that's what I was doing. So if somebody, for example, fell in love with me and they're expressing a lot of honest, unbridled affection, I would recoil almost. And um, it would be, I was embarrassed for them almost, or like, I was like, there's something wrong well, there's with them. Two th- there's two things going on there. It's, yeah. it's your inaccurate perception of their feelings yeah. combined with, I'm a piece of shit. So that's what they're saying is impossible. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. So that was really interesting. And um, I'm jumping ahead because I know you're going to ask about the course. So um, the, <laughs> the, the, the I'm halfway through the course. So 55%, the app is telling me. I've just gone back two chapters to re-listen to them because they were so like they, you know, I think once I've said some of your podcasts has put a stick of dynamite under everything. It's it's the chapter where you're talking about shame versus guilt. Okay. And it's been, I, I don't know, I've, I've transformed since listening to that. Like it was a, it was my first real big realization of just how insidious and poisonous the shame has been for as long as I can remember. And to to know that I can reject it is like that's a game changer. It is. So I'm still waiting for that to fully percolate. But not to interrupt you too much, but. That's one of those things where, again, you get immediate benefits, but you also need time to implement it fully into your life. You need time to, for that, this new understanding for you to go out and live life and to have that encounter real life. Yeah. You know, you get that practice in. And where you've spoken about, I agree with you, and where you've spoken about, it was in one of your articles I think it was last year where these beliefs and perceptions that we have, they're not in harmony with the nature of life. And that's why your life is manifesting in ways that, you know, you're encountering blocks when you do try and establish a stable relationship or when you do try and form a stable household or whatever it is that you're trying to achieve that you can't when you're dealing with this disorder. The signs, I don't know if I'm, you always articulate everything so clearly, Brian. So, uh, but where you've explained that, you know, our, these, these shame perceptions are not um, aligned with what nature intended for us or what God intended for us. So, and I do really appreciate that you talk about our relationship with God. It's not something that, again, it wasn't until the start of the course where, you talk about how these beliefs manifest for us in the outside world where uh, you touched on, it makes you doubt your relationship with God. And mm-hmm. uh, I had really taken that for granted that, yeah, I, I do have a strong spiritual practice, but I, when I've been unwell, that's the first thing to drop off because I don't feel worthy of receiving grace from God. Right. You know, it's a, uh... My, my audience is so mixed. Uh, I know that there are people who don't believe in God. I have no problems with that at all. Yeah. I just know that I do believe in God. 
And so when I was going through recovery, there were things I had to, I, mean, I had to, I had to work those things out. Yeah. What, what I thought about God in my unhealthy state and the way he viewed me and everything. And you know, it comes down to is that, you know, religious people will tell you, Jesus loves you. God loves you. Well, that, that doesn't do you any good if you view yourself as unlovable. No. <laughs> right. It's not about getting love. It's about being able to receive that love. And when you have borderline personality disorder or any emotional disorder, you can't receive any love. It's like a party you haven't been invited to. Like you're just okay. watching. It's a, a good way to put it. Yeah. It's like it's a, all of life is happening around you and you can't penetrate that magic that everybody else seems to be in. That's right. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. I, I love, I love hearing other people express the same things in their own words, because you know, that's, that's real stuff. It's not being parroted. Mm. Yeah, I started many paragraphs ago when I was talking uh, about how I found you. It was shortly after finding out about borderline personality disorder. I did obviously go on the internet as everybody does. And I, got, I went on Quora and found some discussions there. And I just found, and this is not a judgment on those people, but just a lot of wallowing and a lot of comparing sort of like a, like a pain competition almost. Um, And that's just not what I wanted. I didn't, I didn't need to be validated anymore. I just wanted a way out. I just wanted to feel back in control. Because all those things that, you know, I touched on before those sort of esoteric things of you can manifest anything you want in your life, if you believe it. And those things never worked for me. And the reason they didn't it was because I didn't feel worthy or lovable so you can't Mm -hmm. manifest anything until you feel you deserve it right so um but the frustration of of that for so many years compounding and missing out on things that were important to me I just wanted a way out and somebody had mentioned you in an offhand comment to one of these posts of you know that you had recovered fully I'm like who's recovered fully. So I just started to Google and I found your podcast. And the first episode I listened to was, I just picked one that had a title that resonated for me, which was, is your sensitivity to blame? Because that's mm -hmm. just something that you hear from your parents a lot. Oh, you you know, it's because you're so sensitive, you know, Mm -hmm. the way that you uh, took parents to task in that episode, it really like, I had sort of what Brad described, like, you know, I cried and was really, I broke down because it just was such a relief to finally have that acknowledged that what I went through for my whole life until that point wasn't normal. And perhaps there's a different way to live. And that's what your podcast offers in this really grounded way and I said in a comment to Brad's introduction that I think I'm going to start calling you the chainsaw I saw I saw your comment about that I I laughed I didn't have time to give you a really nice reply but but I carried that around in my head for for a while so for anyone who didn't see it I said I, I want to start calling Brian the chainsaw because he cuts through the bullshit and um, I'm really grateful for that and something else that I've also said and I, I say it to friends as well as 
you know, it's important to go to therapists and, you know, you need to attack this from several angles. And I, I am in a DBT group. I'm repeating DBT. It's kind of compulsory over here. It's different from the US. It's free in Australia on the health system. You know, I'm, I go there and I get quite restless. I watch some of the people in my group and I hear them say those, you know, and they teach those things that you've explained to us, like about the amygdala and, you know, it, it is sort of like a cup of tea and a biscuit. Um, when Let's say that again. It, it's kind of like Brad and I, Brad and Darren and I were like, what? I don't <laughs> well, I have no idea what that means. Well, what I mean is, and this is sort of how I felt with psychologists as well. You know, what they were offering me was a cup of tea and a biscuit when I actually just cup wanted a wrecking ball. Oh, a cup of tea. Okay. So a hot bath. Yeah. I call it yeah. the hot bath approach. All right. Yeah. You like, feel better afterwards, but your problems are still there. I want the earth excavator approach, you know? I'm writing that down. Cup of tea and a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you need a earth excavator and a wrecking ball just to get right down to the bottom to change your reality, which is what we need to do to escape this. Yeah, we've got to be, on, we've got to be real about stuff. I don't want to hijack the whole group discussion. But no, there's, no, no, no. There's, gotta... there's another... Um, thing that came to mind when I was listening to you and talking to everybody else here is, uh, you know that line in the Matrix where Neo gets told by the Oracle that he's not the one and then he goes and he rescues Morpheus and then Morpheus tells him, you know, there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the course really helps because the podcasts are, are such a treasure but I think the course gives you the space to start to identify ways you can walk the path day to day. And that's been yeah, a game changer for me. That was really nice. That was really nice. Thanks. So thank you so much. I'm really glad to know you. And uh, I'm really glad that the course is meeting at least some of your expectations. You know, I'm... <laughs> There's, there are do, some I sound, do I sound a bit impatient? Like it wouldn't meet my expectations? No, but you know, I, uh, I just assume that you are a woman of great uh, class and that uh, hopefully that the, you know, the courses, you technically, I would love to have done it like on a, uh, a professional soundstage and all that. Uh, but really it was, it was like, you know, the early episodes of my podcast, by the way, were terrible. If I hear them now, I, I just can't even get through one because as I say, the sound is terrible. What's up, what's with that echo? Um, and you know, I was kind of learning my way at the time. The course is like that. I tried to record it on zoom. There are some, there are some technical hiccups, but informatively, you know, per, people who got into the podcast early and really valued them value them not because of the sound quality or anything like that, yeah. but because of the information. And I've tried to make the course as you know, professional as I can, but it's a learning process for me. And but so it's the same come thing. In unexpected packages. Sorry to interrupt you, but treasures well, come in unexpected packages and I sure. don't think it makes a difference what the packaging is. And, and I think that the authentic and sort of, you know, you, you're quite deprecating about things like distractions like Norman the Cricket and, you know, it just the homespun nature of it adds to the 
authenticity and and I think I hopefully I speak for everybody when I say that I just if if it was all slick and I don't know I'd, I'd probably trust it less Eve, uh, I went on a, a train ride from London to Scotland and on that train, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm the odd man out. I'm totally out of my pond. There were, there was a couple, there were, there was a, a man and a wife on the train going out of London, sitting right across from me. They were from Australia. Yeah. And it was like, it was like, I had just bumped into two of my own in a foreign yeah. land. I don't know what it is about Australians, but I just feel a kinship there with my own background and stuff. It was like, we really hit it off. So uh, that's, I just want to share that with you. I, I really Thanks. love Australians. <laughs> I have in my journal, um, the day that Steve Irwin died, it hit me so hard. Oh. I was driving across the George Washington Bridge, uh, Ben Franklin Bridge, sorry, in Philadelphia, and I heard the news on the on the radio, and I put that in my journal. He was just, I just followed him for so long, and I thought, man, he's just he's just one of us. Like he's just one of us. Well, yeah, we are very. Uh, I mean, I'm not originally Australian, um, but I've grown up here. And where are you from originally? Poland. I'm Polish. I so I came here as a refugee uh, when I was three, which probably added to the sense of displacement because we never, my parents never really made an effort to settle in and connect with everybody here. But, you know, I'm amused that you say that you think I'm a person of class because I've certainly uh, fallen flat on my face many times and done all sorts of things to take away the pain of BPD uh, that I'm really ashamed of and or have regrets about I should say That's um, a nice yeah um you know especially as a teenager I experimented with all kinds of recreational drugs went clubbing madly because anything to take those feelings away and later on it was alcohol so I, I don't know that I completely describe myself as a classy person but um but I think anyone like I was saying, anyone with any wisdom or who is honestly wanting to rid themselves of BPD, they're not going to mind what packaging you you come in. They're going to see it straight away. And you you know that from the people that you're attracting to your group. And you know how I often talk about how it's not usually the thing, but the, the, the reasons behind a thing. Mm. But, I mean, we're talking about emotional health. It's not the thing. Sex ain't bad. Drugs ain't bad. Alcohol's not bad. But if the motivations behind those things, you know, that's what you have to analyze. Yeah. And then, you know, then you know if it's coming from emotional unhealth or if it's just, you know, something that most people ex you do. So I don't know where I was going at with there, but um, I just, Intention. you know, like clubbing. There's nothing wrong with clubbing. Right. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. Sure, but yeah. I didn't I didn't know that uh, looking back now through the sphere of, of understanding that, that I had borderline personality disorder most of that time, um, I think the escapism and the sense of connection I felt, even though it was chemically induced, it was the only relief I got from feeling 
so isolated in this uh, trap of, of dread and shame and all the things that you feel when you have BPD that you yeah. silently, well, you know, you're, in a, you're in your own silent hell, really. Yeah, BPD you are. You are you're, you're totally isolated. I mean, you're right. You're totally isolated. That's what BPD is. It is total isolation from everybody and everything. I'll tell you what, I could have, I would have died rather than to seek out help. I mean, I would have dropped out, I would have dropped down dead in the supermarket rather than have said, help me. <laughs> that's, that's how isolated I was. Mm. It was all me. I, I had to do it all on my own because I, I can't trust anybody else. It's so isolating. It's just terrible. It's it's terrible enough to think about us going through that kind of stuff when we're grown adults. But that's not when it started. You know, it started when you were a child. Think yeah. about a five or six year old child not even being able to trust his own damn parents with the things that uh, he's most that are most bothering him or her. Like the story that you told about feeling I think I don't know what age you were four or five where you felt like you couldn't cry in front of your dad three, three. I was three, three. yeah by three yeah, really. I knew I could not cry in front of my dad and that that story I tell about being on the edge of that cliff <laughs> it's so weird because I, I can remember it from the perspective of when I was three and mm. I can remember it now from the perspective of a 45 year old man and I go, well, I probably had nothing to worry about. I probably wasn't really as close to the edge as I thought I was. It doesn't matter because I can still remember at three, I felt like I was right on the edge. If I move wrong, I'm going to slip and I'm going to fall. And my father had just thrown this tree over the side and it was like Wiley Coyote. And he's walked up the hill now and he's ready to move on. And he says, come on, come on. And I said, uh, I mean, tears are streaming down my eyes. I can still remember it as just like it happened yesterday. And I was three. So we're talking 42 years ago. Please come and come pick me up. Oh, will you pull your pants up and be a big boy and just come up the hill here? And I can't imagine my daughter being that terrified and me just being like, you're so stupid. Just come up here. I can't imagine doing that to my daughter at all. And my father did that to me. It's just unbelievable to me. The, the attitudes that, that our folks live yeah. with. Now, granted, my father at the time was 20. I'm 45 now. And, you know, I'm all about putting things into context. I'm 45. That means I'm 25 years older than my father was when that happened. And it don't matter because he was my father. And he was responsible for caring for me emotionally, not just physically. So it doesn't matter if he knew I wasn't going to fall over the side of the cliff. He should have cared that I was. It didn't occur to him that seeing the tree falling would have completely terrified you. Well, this is what I'm talking about when I say that, uh, you know, the the people we're talking about, their their perception their erroneous perception about the nature of feelings is that if I know there's nothing to be afraid of, in other words, if I'm not afraid, you don't have any reason to be afraid. Yeah. But feelings aren't based on what, um, let's put it this way. 
Some people are afraid of clowns and some people are not. The fact that there are people who are not afraid of clowns does not mean that the fear that people who are afraid of clowns is not real. They still feel the fear. It's that's really what they're feeling. And on the edge of that cliff, I really was feeling terrified. It, it doesn't matter if I could have fallen off the cliff or not. What matters is that that's really the, I was terrified that I could. My father should have put value on those feelings and yeah. he didn't, you know, and it's just, it's still astonishing to me. I, you know, I've been doing this work now for three years, for seven years, I was working it out on my own for myself. It's still astonishing to me that feelings have such a power over us as people. We put so much importance on intellect, on accomplishments, on these sorts of things. None of it matters. You know, um, even the, the person you vote for, probably emotional. It's probably got nothing to do with this up here. You think it's got something to do with this up here, but really first you had an emotional draw then you went back and you formed an intellectual explanation for why your emotions are right about this it controls our emotions are at the root of everything everything and um you know the more i do this work the more i i, I realize that it just it just they control everything i think i even said it on an episode not, not too long ago i think human psychology understanding it trumps every other discipline it even trumps scientific discipline i watch scientific shows all the time and i can tell you it you're not just getting fact <laughs> you're getting psychology in there too you get human psychology is affecting the interpretations that these scientists are giving to you right so uh, results just are what they are, like when you do a scientific study or something like that. But you've still got to have people interpreting those results. Critical thought is just so important in sorting uh, a fact from fiction. Anyway, I could get on this huge tangent. Think glad, I'm glad I got you off on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> your big, your big life's uh, objective. Well, mission accomplished. <laughs> Something tells me Thank you can so do much. it repeatedly. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm glad to have you here. Mm -hmm.